Well, this zombie franchise is all about destroying families. Spooky season greetings and salutations and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. We came to greet you. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack. A total joke. A waste of time. Or a slash. Totally killer. Pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're writing these movies with the perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris. I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week, I'm joined by the classic horror connoisseur, Sean. Bring us a can of tuna. That's all I ask. And the paranormal paramour, Binks. Has the game started? This week, we're diving into the sequel to the South Korean zombie film we last covered in 2019. Before we get down to business, though, we have some follow-up. Let's follow up on a meetup. So we're two weeks away from our first ever live in-person meetup to commemorate our podcast's anniversary. And it is on Friday, October 13th, which is very cool. Friday 13th. I could not be more excited. It is perfect. Honestly. As you were saying that, I actually just got chills a little bit because it just it feels so much more real the closer we get. That's so cute. And we're also doing it in Orlando, Florida. That's awesome. Right in our backyard. I know. It's really, really cool. And I, well, also because it's like Orlando has a lot of great, amazing stuff, such as, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm spoiling it early, but it's what I'm kind of like high key most excited about Halloween Horror Nights. Hell mm-hmm. yes. I can't wait to go with friends. It's going to be so good. And we've got some incredible houses this year as well. So I don't know. I just feel like it's so incredibly timed. So we've got that going on. But my favorite other part of the meetup is going to be that we're actually doing a live episode recording. And so everyone can actually be there and watch us do this whole thing in person. Ooh, I'm getting nervous. Uh, Right, right. Nah, it's going to be so fun. It's going to be really cool. I can't wait. I think everybody's going to have a ton of fun. And I'm I'm still in like in the fine detail planning, but I think that we have a couple things up our sleeves that are, that are going to make this really special. Oh, absolutely. We even are going to have a mixer where we can all actually like spend some good quality time getting to know each other as well. I already said Halloween Horror Nights, which again, I mean, I just repeat it because I'm most excited about it. So I think it's going to be really, really fun. I can't believe it. So if you want to go, you can actually get your ticket and learn more at go.hackerslash.live slash meetup. And from there, you can find out some more information. And also I would say, you know, get connected on our discord. We even have a channel where everyone's getting together, talking about how excited they are, um, setting up plans and things. So you're going to want to join our discord also to get even further details and connect with friends before the actual meetup. Absolutely. We have a lot of folks who are banding together, making those little groups, deciding who's going to be going through what house with who. So I encourage you to absolutely join in on the fun. This is such a great little network of people. And I could not be more ecstatic that all these humans are going to be together. Absolutely. And that's our follow up. Well, this week's film shows us the world four years after that horrific outbreak day in Train du Busan, and it's a world beyond recognition. If you've been with us a while, you remember our journey into this world a few years ago. We reviewed that movie before Mac was ever on the show, and our alumni Ryan was actually making her debut. If you're one of our members, though, you can actually revisit the original film with our current team in a rewind episode that's available to you 
right now. You can use a link in our show notes to check it out. But produced on a budget of $16 million, this sequel introduces us to four Korean survivors who escaped the events of the previous film and are now living in Hong Kong. It is there where they're dispatched on a perilous mission, venture back into Korea to retrieve $20 million that was abandoned in a truck. The story takes us on a journey that's filled with danger and desperation, where survival is the ultimate prize and trust is a luxury few can afford. It's a tale that explores what happens when humanity is pushed to the brink and the choices we make when everything is on the line. So buckle up, dear listener, as we venture once again into a land where the rules have changed and the stakes have never been higher. This week, we're talking about Peninsula. Who's seen this one before? Oh, man. Let me just start by saying, you know, you talked about the rewind. We just did the rewind for Train to Busan. And I absolutely love that film. I absolutely love zombie films as a whole. How can you really go wrong? Right? Like even the shitty ones are still pretty fun. But I will admit, though, I didn't realize that there was a sequel to Train to Busan, so this was an exciting surprise for me. It's okay, because I too had no idea that there was a sequel to this movie. This flew right over my head 100%. And that's pretty surprising because I had heard so much about Train to Busan that I feel like I would have come across something, even like an ad on Amazon or like something that would have told me that, hey, there's a sequel or I would have come across maybe on social media. I had zero clue up until we prepared for this. Okay, so I knew this was coming out. But I was shocked how little I heard of it once it finally did come out. That was really surprising to me. I absolutely loved Train to Busan when we first watched it. And I know there's an animated element of this story called Soul Station, which looks at what happened on the platform in Train to Busan. I haven't seen that either, but I was really, really excited for this. Train to Busan has skyrocketed to being such a great zombie movie in terms of like my when I consider like top tier work. And I was expecting more of the same with this one. I was expecting a lot of emotion. I was expecting some badass zombies. And I was really expecting some incredible cinematography. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Definitely. I I think probably for me, because I didn't even know that this sequel existed, I didn't know anything about this one going into it. I didn't watch a trailer. I didn't even read the synopsis, to be honest. I did, for some reason, however, glance at the cast because I was curious if there was any reoccurring characters, but that's about it. And that being said, I don't know, like based on its predecessor, like you said, Chris, I was expecting this one to be really good, but wondering if we were going to get some of that heavy heartbreak that we got in the first one, right? So I'm kind of feeling you there. Like, are we going to get that emotion, that, you know, heartbreaking tragedy? I don't know. Are we going to get the feels? I I was also, you know, also just kind of worried that it might not hold up next to Train to Busan. So I don't know what to expect, but we'll find out. Yeah, I too didn't even look into this. I didn't watch a trailer or anything, but I did also look at the cast. Well, because I figured, you know, I watch, again, a lot of Korean films or just Korean dramas specifically. So I thought maybe I would recognize a couple people since I definitely know so many from Train to Busan. Um, and so I recognized one person, but to be honest, I, I wanted to expect depth and profound storytelling, like you guys are saying, and great characters again. But here I go. It's a sequel. And I just felt like the chances that I were going to get that were super low. And I knew that I was going to get the insane zombies and I sure as heck was expecting some type of explanation as to what happened after Train to Busan since it is that sequel, right? And and it's a little bit of a time jump. But I don't know. I I really went into this skeptical again, as I usually do with some of these sequels. Yeah. Sound like me. You know, 
I wish I had been as skeptical as you two. <laughs> I really do. This movie had me feeling a lot of things. One, it does a really interesting and I think really smart thing where it really shows you paranoia and you know, even just thinking about what we as humans experienced or saw in the world and saw from each other during this past pandemic, we see how people can turn on each other with fear. And you know, what does a world look like outside of this immediately affected area? I think that element of it was so interesting. But there are other elements in this where I was thinking, okay, I've seen this before in a zombie film and it's cool, but I'm not feeling particularly moved by it. There is like a band of characters that I absolutely loved. And that's where I think my cup was starting to get filled in terms of my emotional investment into the movie. There's still plenty of moments that made me sad. But man, my most powerful thought about halfway through the movie was this doesn't belong with Train to Busan in terms of quality. Like it's decent and it was a fun zombie movie, but I was like, man, this is a really different experience. And I say this not to bum anyone out, but to reset your expectations. If you're going into this movie and you haven't seen it yet and you're expecting the same thing I did. Yeah. Cause I feel like once again, I'm skeptical and I'm right in the sense that, you know, I felt like everything was okay. I felt okay. I didn't feel very invested in any of the characters. I do like a few, but I just found myself easily disinterested in the story. Like when the action happens, you're entertained. But at that point, I just felt like I was enjoying it for the CGI and not much more. And I don't know, I just can see how you came to the conclusion like this is a sequel to train to busan you know it just came off like it was its own standalone of maybe any other zombie movie you know what it is for me i think about the movie hashtag alive that we covered which is another korean zombie film and i feel like that almost felt closer to train to busan than this for some reason I actually haven't seen Hashtag Alive yet, but I know which one you're talking about. Give me a series of just movies that take place instead of the Walking Dead style where it's the same characters every week. Give me a universe of zombie film where it all takes place, but it's, it's like an anthology within that same infected area. And that'd be really cool. And I think this would make sense as like a trilogy. I'm with you both, right? I think this is completely different than Train to Busan. So if that's what you're expecting, definitely, you know, reset your expectations. I, I was also feeling a lot of different things while watching this film. I felt like this one was for sure more violent than Train to Busan in a lot of different ways. There was just this feeling of hopelessness almost immediately from the very first scene. And there's this unsettling feeling of how horrible people can can be in these types of situations. And you kind of talked about that, Chris, and you talked about like, you know, people doing things out of fear, right? But I, there's also people doing things out of like greed. And just, it's just crazy to, to see that aspect of it. And it really kind of felt like The Walking Dead on crack. Man, I wish Mac was here. He would probably affirm that because I can say yes, but considering he just finished rewatching all of it, I can see how he would be like, yeah, for sure. I think my struggle, though, you know, you say it's the walking dead on crack, but I feel like I didn't feel enough of it. I feel like that implication is like, there's just so much happening and it's so intense. And yeah, there's some stuff happening, but none of it really, really moved me, except for the emotional undertones of what's happening with some characters. I actually found myself disappointed by a lot of visuals in this movie. 
And I thought it was really interesting, Banks, when you said you were really there for like the CGI of it all, like it found some entertainment there, because it feels like there are points where this movie got in its own way. The gore still looks really good. The zombies still look really good. But there's digital effects that bummed me the hell out. For example, I'm not crazy for the way that night looks in this movie. It's like day for night, but not done super well. And that's really disappointing because it could have been done way better to have the darkness be part of the fear factor in this movie. It could have been much more threatening and I could have been much more immersed in what was happening if it just didn't look so fucking blue. But here's my thing. Here's my disappointment. There is a lack of continuity in terms of the zombie lore from Train to Busan to this movie, from what I've noticed. And, I, and I'm not going to spoil it, but it connects to what you just said a little bit, connects to a couple other things, you know? And I feel like the visuals are definitely play into that. But what I ended up having to do was like, just remove myself at some point, maybe an hour into this movie, like, you know what, this is just not Train to Busan. So let's just go for it and just watch it in a different lens. And at that point, I'm like, oh, it's kind of like a video game a bit, you know, in terms of visuals at some point. I was like, if this was a video game, I'd be so about it. If it had even been in a TV show format, like you're saying, like Walking Dead on Crack, like if it had been in a TV show format, maybe even that too, you know? So I can't wait to get into into what she said, Chris, because I have a, a little bit of that. Yeah, I think I think when I say like Walking Dead on Crack, I'm talking about like the pacing of what's happening right? Like, I think there's a lot of similarities. So it's really just the delivery that feels like the walking dead on crack for me. And I'm with you. I I was disappointed by a good portion of the visuals throughout the film. So it sounds like we're going to talk a lot about that aspect when we get into the spoiler section. But there were also some visuals that I really, really enjoyed. You know, you touched on like the gore and the zombies and all that. But there's some other things that I really enjoyed visually throughout the film as well that we'll get into. But also like genuinely surprised at just how much this movie had to offer, right? There's some added layers of complexity in the story that I feel like kind of runs deep. And I was kind of here for it. I feel like there was truly some really great storytelling underneath all of the action there is a lot of great storytelling and again there is a group of characters that i really became invested in and i also think that there's a good parallel towards the third act of this movie which when you compare it to train to busan it almost gives you the other half of the picture and there are a lot of good things there right but i think one of the other big things missing for me is that this doesn't pack nearly the same punch as train to busan the zombies are still menacing okay yes the zombies are so zombieing but where train to busan really focused you in on humanity and how scary that can be in the immediacy of something terrible happening this one focuses more on being concerned with people at an even bigger scale and i understand how that's supposed to be scary but it just felt i don't know it it just felt like something i've seen so many times before that i wasn't afraid of it yeah I didn't feel the stakes nearly as much. I I just feel like it could have been, well, you said it earlier, it could have been a lot more. And I feel like the stakes could have been a lot higher. And I understand that the setting kind of plays against it a little bit because that's where one has the advantage over the other. But yeah, I didn't feel scared, not one bit. And also, I would say that what scared me the most in terms of Train to Busan is like the style, right? The What the zombies even look like. And so at this point, when you've already kind of seen it, you don't even have that a little bit to intimidate you. 
So been there, done that. Yeah, been there, done that. And it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, you can still admire it, right? And you can be like, yikes, but not, you don't feel it as much in your gut, like, oh, shit, you know, <laughs> like, I like feel the tension when you're like being chased by them or anything like that, because you've, you've already seen it. I do think that this is something that just is an inherent challenge when making zombie movies that are not the initial outbreak. When you paint a picture of people who have survived however long into a zombie apocalypse, and then you're suddenly exploring what that story looks like, what that world looks like, the stakes immediately drop because these people have adapted. And it's not this immediate like, oh, oh my gosh, what's happening? We don't understand what their weaknesses are, etc. So in some ways, you see more weaknesses out of the zombies. And I just think that when I consider every single zombie movie that I, I have personally seen that does that, I don't ever find any of them frightening. They're at best mildly entertaining. Yeah, I mean, that's super fair, right? Like, I think, you know, zombies as a whole, definitely not super frightening, really, unless, and they're not really even super threatening unless they're in mass hordes, right? Where you have a lot of them coming at you or surrounding you or whatever. And yeah, I think this one lost any real chance of being scary with the direction that it chose to go in with the story. It is a zombie film and some of the scenes are graphic and the zombies look great, but it definitely leaned into the action aspect pretty heavily in this one. It also, to your point, leaned into the human kind of versus human aspect a lot more because you have to, to your point, like it's not the initial outbreak. People have adapted. So where do you go from here? You have to kind of lean into that to give more depth to the story. Otherwise, it's just not going to feel right. We got a bit of that human you know, versus human aspect in Train to Busan, but this one took it to another level. And all this to say, I, I just really didn't feel any real fright while watching this movie. So I think, to your point, Chris, like zombies, are they super scary? Like what zombie film really scared you and really stuck with you, right? It, it feels like zombies are a horror-adjacent action movie or sci-fi action. Train to Busan. Well, okay, hold on, hold on. Yeah, I... I a thousand percent agree with you, Sean, because that's really how they connect action. Because we've got horror comedies, we've got horror sci-fi, this is horror action. Zombies, I mean, you gotta kill them. So yeah. Now, I would say, personally, there are horror zombie films that scare me a little bit. I mean, I've said publicly that Resident Evil is a guilty pleasure, and sometimes it's like, oh shit, you know? But I just feel like at the end of the day, you can only do so much. And where we originally had a great concept, we are now backtracking again to the copy and paste plots that we've seen, not even in just zombie films at this point, though. We're talking apocalyptic films. There are some elements in this movie that I have seen time and time again that it's just like, oh, we've been here, guys. And why is it also giving like even other action films that I don't want to see almost like Fast and the Furious type stuff? Yeah. Can I give you my recipe for this movie? Go ahead, please. Mix one part Train to Busan, one part Fast and the Furious, one part Army of the Dead, one part Mario Kart. Mario Kart. <laughs> equals Peninsula. Listen, I never was good at math, but this shit is basic enough for me to detect, detect all those components. This is interesting. It sounds like we're aligned in a lot of 
you know, how we feel about different aspects of the film. I'm really curious to see if we end up being aligned in the scoring at some, you know, when we get there. But <laughs> this is, is like, this is going to be a curveball. I think so. I think so. But I'll tell you what isn't a curveball this ending. I think that also in terms of the ending, well, I don't want to say nothing spectacular because I did actually enjoy it. And I, and to what you were saying, Chris, earlier, I think this is where the emotional, you know, character building that we've been seeing really gets its payoff and you're pulling in the heartstrings. And I did enjoy it a lot. There are definitely some parts that I loved, but I don't know. I think at the end of the day, it's that awkwardness still. It's that like stumbling on just trying to stick a landing that ultimately it's tripped so many times. It's reaching this ending with like scars on its knees and its legs. And it's just like, let go. That's it. You know, funny enough, I found the ending to be one of the more satisfying parts of the movie. It was an interesting parallel to Train to Busan, which I can appreciate and I can't wait to unpack in the spoiler zone after we give our ratings. But maybe it was the sweet, sweet relief of finally I don't have to look at the fucking night anymore. Maybe it was that, but I found myself quite pleased with the end. Yeah, look, to compare, definitely favor this ending over Train to Busan's. <laughs> but I just, I just think that it's one of those situations where like, when I think that the ending is the best part of the whole, like the sum of the whole, like, I just think sometimes like, I don't think that's a really great sign sometimes. You know what I mean? And that's what I mean by the example of it's just like tripped so many times. And it's just kind of been like, so blase. And at this point, it's a little predictable as well, that it's like, oh, you know, I'm glad it ended that way, but meh. Yeah, I don't know. I, I enjoyed the ending to this one. I thought it was pretty good. It really played with you emotionally. You think you're going down this path and then it goes in a different direction. And, you know, we're, you just kind of brought it up or hinted at it, right? Like you and I think Mac in the Train to Busan Rewind episode, you know, I can kind of almost see where you were coming from, right? Maybe you can have your cake and eat it too after all. But maybe in this one anyways, I can see that. I stand by my thoughts in Train to Busan though. That ending is super good. Oh, whatever. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see what kind of mixed bag this scoring ends up being. So let's go ahead and start making our way there. Sean, obviously it's a zombie movie, but how would you describe the gore score? Well, this one, much like Train to Busan, has some good gore effects. It's violent, it's graphic, but it doesn't hone in on the zombie appetite for human flesh as much. So a lot of this gore is brief, right? They don't really focus on the feasting as much. So this one is going to get a high gore score still for the amount of gore that you do get, brief as it is. It's just for the sheer amount of violence and the gore that you do get, but it's not enough to bring it into severe territory. So we're sticking with high. Okay. What about the animal report? We are actually all safe. Wow. Wouldn't you fucking believe it? Not even a roadkill. A lot of opportunity for it too. Absolutely. Yeah, you would think, huh? That's such a good point. Well, let's go ahead and get into our ratings then. Peninsula from 2020, sequel to Train to Busan. Was it a hack or a slash? And I think I might actually get us started here. There's a lot I enjoy about this movie. There is. I mean, it's not to say that there isn't anything good about it, but there's also quite a bit that I think holds it back from meeting its full potential. We'll dive into more specifics into the spoiler zone, but earlier I mentioned that my thought halfway through the movie is this movie is a far cry from Train to Busan in terms of quality. This is a decent movie, but it's not even close. Not even the same conversation 
is my top 10 favorite zombie movies. And when you watch this movie, don't expect it to be more of the same as Train to Busan, like I did. Embrace it as an evolution of the world. If you manage your expectations, you'll probably have fun with it. I think Banks went in skeptical and had some fun with it. Because ultimately, what works in its favor is a specific set of characters. And if it weren't for them, I mean, I'm gonna be real, I'm afraid it just would have ventured into mediocrity. So for those characters and those characters alone, it's a slash. All right. Yeah, here, here's the thing. After watching this one, I was doing some research and I was I was surprised in a way to find that this one was scored like super drastically lower than Train to Busan. And don't get me wrong, I get it. This one is not Train to Busan and it's arguably not as good either. It did kind of feel like Too Fast, Too Zombie in a lot of ways, maybe Fast and Furious Zombie Drift, I don't know. But I still feel like it delivered an incredible story that was layered with complex emotional baggage, likable characters, and I think it was visually very stunning despite its flaws with some of the CGI, amongst other things that we're going to talk about in the spoiler section. So I'm sorry that so many seemingly disliked this movie, If you loved Train to Busan and were expecting this to be a continuation of that story or a replica of what you got in that film, maybe that's where you felt disconnected. But for me, I was okay with what this film really gave us. So do I think this is as good or better than Train to Busan? No, but it's still a good film and kept me entertained the entire almost two-hour runtime. So it's still a slash for me. Well, well, well. This is funny. I think about what you said in terms of curveball, and now I know what you meant. But I'm here to actually be the curveball. Because look, I'm all for a zombie film. It's actually very much my cup of tea. And a Korean film, also very much my cup of tea. Both things combined? Well, I absolutely loved Train to Busan, so hell yeah, very much my cup of tea. But the problem is is that this is not Train to Busan. And I don't want to be that person, like you were saying, that you are comparing it always and all of that. And it's a sequel, but you got to give it its chance. And I did. I did. But ultimately, I don't think that this movie really achieved what I needed it to, to overcome my expectations. I was just a little too correct. And I really wanted to like it. And I think that there are definitely some things I enjoyed, some of the characters. I I feel like the bands of characters you're talking about, Chris, I definitely side with you on. And they were great, but they just weren't enough to overcome the two hours, like you were saying, Sean, of me just feeling like this was all right. So I think that unfortunately, the bar was set too high of its predecessor. And it's giving a money grab, which is kind of funny. Literally and figuratively, it's giving a money grab for a sequel. So I'm going to have to give this one a hack. Well, there you have it, folks. Peninsula from 2020 has earned two slashes, one of them not being super confident, and a hack. Now, you can find this movie streaming online. Check the link in our show notes to see where you can find it right now. Either way, watch it, then join us in the second half so we can break this down together. We'll see you in a bit. Has your daily commute become a lifeless crawl? Is your road rage starting to feel like an unquenchable hunger? Then unleash your inner survivor with June's Apocalypse Auto Academy. We're not your typical driving school. At June's Apocalypse Auto Academy, we teach you to navigate the highways and byways, dodging the most relentless of obstacles, traffic, potholes, and of course, zombie hordes. 
Our experienced instructors have faced the harshest driving conditions, from downtown traffic jams to rampaging hordes of tourists. They'll equip you with the skills to navigate your way through any obstacle, be it a slow-moving taxi or a fast-approaching tailgater. Our survival swerve technique is a must-learn for anyone trying to escape the unending horrors of rush hour. And with Zombie Zigzag, you'll learn how to maneuver through a maze of stalled vehicles and find the perfect parking spot in the midst of chaos. Whether it's avoiding collisions or collisions with the undead, we've got you covered. And if you sign up now, you'll get our exclusive Escape the Horde handbook because you never know when you'll need to make a fast getaway. Call June's Apocalypse Auto Academy at 1-800-ZMB-JUNE. That's 1-800-ZMB-JUNE. June's Apocalypse Auto Academy, getting you from point A to point B while traveling through point Z since 2016. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for Peninsula, which has earned two slashes and one hack. Now, we have a lot to unpack here, but before we get into the specifics of our ratings, let's go through the kills. Woo! Yeah, this kill count was especially tough because there is just so many kills with zombies getting ran over by cars and extremely fast-paced action sequences where there just is a lot of shots fired and bodies dropping everywhere. So I truly did the best that I could. And with that, I have a kill count of 265, give or take a few flesh eaters. Okay, give or take, give me some leeway here. You know what I mean? But Man, it was a tough kill count. This man put in work. Yeah, it was rough. It was a lot of research, stopping, pausing, going back, trying to count what I could. He counted each pair of hands in that one part that's like the glass while the zombies pushed up against it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he paused it and was like, one, two, three, four, five. One, two, yeah, and then wait, what if one of those had like an arm like chopped off? You know what I mean? Like, who knows? Who knows? But listen, listen, even though it's hard to account for all of the zombie kills in this one, there are still some good kills to talk about. So let's get into it. What were your favorite kills? All right. I just got to throw it out there. Once again, the year of fuck them kids is holding strong because while it breaks my heart that this happened and I really hoped maybe this kid would be a sole survivor, I'm going to go with the nephew and then subsequently his mom, the sister, in that opening fairy scene, because, ooh, I was just talking in Train to Busan about how you had this fear of being on a boat in the middle of the ocean with a zombie apocalypse. Where would you go? You couldn't do fucking literally anything. And here they are. Granted, much shorter boat ride, but to be trapped with that infected person and to see the fear in that sweet little baby boy's eyes, it was heartbreaking. And that was one of the only emotional moments that this movie really gave me. Chris. At what? And it was in the beginning? Not it, not the only, one of the only. There's a lot of emotion woven all throughout Train to Busan, and in this one, it was one key moment, two key moments, three key moments. Maybe four if I'm squinting my eyes just right. Okay. So there okay. There's a few. There's a few in there. But I was gonna say, Chris, man, you're really you're really taking my place here with the <laughs> with the kids, you know. This this is like back to back rooting for the kid kills here. You know what I mean? I'm not jazzed about the kid dying by any means. But when we think about one of the most impactful deaths in this movie, that was it for me. 
and I, it was devastating. I didn't want to see it. But for that movie to move me in such a way, I really started out thinking, man, this is going to be so good. Yeah, I mean, it is it is tragic. It is heartbreaking. You get that all those feels really early on. And, you know, you might be gravitating it for all those reasons. And those are really good reasons. But like, as this was unfolding, here I am on the couch literally saying, oh, my God, they're going to kill the kid. The kid's going to die. Oh, my God. Here we go. Here we go. And what a way to fucking start the film. Really setting the tone for the heaviness and the severity that is this situation, to your point, right? So heartbreaking. Naturally, I ate that shit up. That was so good. And I don't know. I'm a little bit more on the let's see the fucking kids die because that's real life, right? Zombies are going to come. It's going to be an apocalypse. They don't give a fuck if you're a baby or a, an old man. They're just here for to, for the appetite, right? They just want to kill and eat and whatever. So I was here for it. But hey, for all of you that don't like to see children's die, at least they didn't show like the actual attack on the kid so at least they didn't give you that because that would have been intense and i will say i would be still here for it yeah i was gonna say i kind of would too right it's terrible but i kind of would have been too i mean realistically there was no way that that kid was gonna make it out it was staring at him dead in the eye so you know it, it is though really interesting how to me what i got from that scene was kind of like a situation where he abandoned obviously well, who we now know to be Min Jung and her daughters, but now he had to abandon someone that he loved. You know what I mean? Like he was kind of in that same position of leaving someone behind. And you know what? At the end of the day, it was also nice, although unfortunate, to see that the mom stayed with her son. You know what I mean? And didn't just also leave because that I feel like typically we would see where you have then the character going through this guilt and this like hardening throughout the whole movie for the decision that they ended up making. The mom though, the or rather Jung Seok's sister, is one of the actresses that I recognized. She's in this K drama that my best friend loves called Crash Landing on You. So I I honestly was kind of like, oh my God, yay. Okay, one of like two people that I know in this movie. But it was it was kind of nice. She's a she's a great actress. I would have loved to have seen her do more obviously in the film so if anything that was a bit disappointing to see her go so quickly but it was nice to see that even in the little screen time she did have just how much of like a motherly figure she was just really holding him and just that stare off uh it hit that was that was a moment i appreciated for sure in terms of the film it was so impactful and oh man you brought it up binks but he took all those measures to keep them safe and he turned back on a little bit of his own humanity because you can see how conflicted he was with wanting to help those people, but then also wanting to keep his family safe. He did all that, turned his back on them. And then in the end, he still lost the people he loved most. And he found a new family eventually along the way. But I love this being the reason why he's so tormented. But can we just acknowledge that this man walked in a room full of fucking infected zombies and really didn't close the door behind him? Okay. I know he needs an exit, but if he's thinking about getting people out and not letting these things out, what are you thinking? It's true. But this is my issue with the continuity of the film of the zombies and the zombie lore. 
What happened to all of a sudden them changing super quickly after being bitten? They were all festering in that room for a good while throughout the whole movie. It's not even just in that moment. They all like fester for a good while until they change. Whereas in Train to Busan, it's like maybe in a snap or two, Mm -hmm. like give it just one deep breath or two. And then they're instantly like, they're just not squirming around in the floor like they're dancing. Like, (laughs) you know, I agree with you. I was wondering when you brought up the zombie lore, if you're talking about the zombies as we see them develop. And I thought, well, there's no way because they're still blinded in the darkness. But you have a point there. I think what threw me off initially was seeing this zombie or this infected man on the ferry. And it's like, okay, come on. Really, no one knows this guy's infected and they didn't do a thorough check of these people before getting them on the boat? Sure. Right. They fucked up. But then he must have been bitten on his leg or lower extremity for it to have taken that long. But then when you see everyone else laying on the ground infected, it's like, I mean, maybe if you go back, maybe there are no bites on the neck. But I doubt that to be the case. Yeah. It's just an oversight. A whole room full of people? I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah, that's true. I, I was going to say, like, they, it is similar in some ways to Train to Busan because, yeah, depending on where they get bitten or whatever and the infection starts to spread, it, you know, determines, right, the, the time that it takes for it to really take hold of you. But to your point, yeah, there, a whole room of people getting attacked, like, you're going to, yeah, you're going to tell me none of them got bit in the face, the head, the neck, the, even, even just a shoulder, right? That's close enough. Like, None of that happened. He just He's just an ankle fucking biter. Always going for the ankles. You know, one of my favorite kills was Captain Seo pulling a train to Busan, actually. I think it was the younger sister of the elderly women, uh, Jong Gil. The one when she was like, you know, well, I'm not going to spoil it, but she does some crazy shit. Well, this Captain Seo basically did that. He was channeling that. Although he is the villain, he said, all of you fuckers are going down with me. And I appreciated it very, very much. What? A fantastic way to go, really. And there has this interesting layer of complexity there because he did a lot out of desperation. And you hear a lot of this, okay, uh, I'll be I'll be a new person. I'll be a good man once I get to Hong Kong. He throws the truck into reverse. He lets the gang get their comeuppance. But you see this, you know, in the same way that our leading man is tormented. He's also tormented. He did a lot of things that maybe he wouldn't have liked to do. And you see how cutthroat and how vicious he gets. But then he's almost crying. He's just like, it's so, it's so good to meet you. And he has this relief of, I am finally free from this. I mean, hey, what a satisfying way for him to wrap up his story. Absolutely. Even just the build up to Chol Min's like, you know, his whole story of like, you know, being captive and the, the, the struggle and the fight to survive really built up to, you know, you know, I mean, I don't know, in some ways, it was just tragic, because he, he, he fought so hard <laughs> to survive and just imagine being in this gladiator type setting, you know, you're a prisoner or a captive or whatever. And they're just every I don't even know what is it on the hour or some shit, they're just throwing you into this into this arena, where you I mean, what do you do? You don't have a weapon, you just this horde of zombies just floods out and they're just going. So what what do you do? Like, it's kind of just like a luck of the draw. Like, are they coming for you? Or are they not? You're just trying to last. Yeah, like what's a strategic way to stay alive in those scenarios? I mean, I don't know. The only thing I can think of is literally grabbing a person and using them as a human fucking shield. But then you also have to 
sacrifice somebody or force somebody else to die. So you have to live with all of that too. But I mean, you got to do what you got to do, I guess, in these situations. But that, what else do you do? I don't know. It's crazy. But then like all of that, all of the struggle of everything he went through, watching his family die, right? Dealing with the you know, prejudice, right? You talked about of like being in Hong Kong and them just, you know, being super abrasive and about, you know, them being from Korea and being a part of that whole, you know, whatever apocalypse thing that happened and then going and being captive and having to be this gladiator. And then you get free, you get that glimpse of like, oh man, I'm getting out of this thing. And then he takes a bullet. And granted, he takes a bullet for Jung Suk, but like it, it was, it was, it was just a tragic story for him. It was truly a tragic story for him. It really is so sad because his life is extinguished and it's not even from the undead. It's not from these monsters that he was able to survive against. It's from another human being. Yeah. It, it sucks, man. And do you think you have this moment of redemption of, you know, did you even try? And he's trying. He had every opportunity to just leave at this point, but he went back for his brother-in-law he fought so hard to get him out of there, and he died as he was clutching his shirt. And also that he's in a position again where he has to, in some ways, leave family behind. Yeah. All over again. It's just tough. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this zombie franchise is all about destroying families. Well. It's going to happen. Are you hinting at good old Elder Kim? You know, it's so sad. That was the other moment that really got me. I was okay with losing him. Because this family had too much plot armor. I'll acknowledge that. There was a moment where the mother says, I'll be right back. And I'm like, she said she's not going to be back. So we shouldn't expect her to be back, which means, of course, she's going to be back. It's I, I didn't really have a whole lot of fear for the family. So I was ready. And I knew that someone wasn't going to make it at least one. I was hoping maybe two, but I didn't want any of them to die. So that was always also a conflicting moment. But when he went and you have, oh, my gosh his sweet little granddaughter asking if he was okay and he's spewing up this blood. Listen, it's still too soon for me. That fucked me up. Look, it's too soon for me. <laughs> so I yeah. no kidding. Even worse for you. Yeah, this is this is the part where I was like, all right, I'm I'm feeling it. But it wasn't enough. However, I, I really enjoyed it. And I would agree. They had too much plot armor. And it's funny you brought up earlier, Sean, about how Mac and I weren't too keen on Train to Busan, you know, the ending. I don't know. I really thought that Min Jung was was not going to make it. So uh, Yeah, we all did. But I almost was like, even though I, I loved her character and she was a complete badass, like, I think I was okay with that outcome. If that was going to be the case, I wasn't going to be necessarily super happy about it. But I was like, you know what? Sacrifices need to be made. I will say, though, I think that being after Elder Kim, a double whammy, that would have been like, sheesh. Yeah. It, it would have been. That would have been really, really rough. And I love that in Train to Busan, we see a father's sacrifice, and here we see a mother's and how ready she was to go. I'm so glad it wasn't her. If our leading man bit the dust, fucking okay, fine. Sacrifice himself to save her. I would have understood and respected the sacrifice. However, I just wanted those daughters to have some semblance of family that isn't this rando dude and then just each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you see the bond and the love between them. And 
there deserved to be some good that still existed in this world. I, I agree. I think as to me, as unrealistic as it may be that she actually made it out of there. I don't know. You're just going to blast your way out of a car window with that horde surrounding you while everyone else that got surrounded in a car got completely annihilated. But okay, I'll take it because I still enjoyed the ending. But yes, you think she's going to die. That's the mom's sacrifice. I think I even wrote it down before I realized that she was going to survive. And then there was even a split second that when she did make it out of there and and she made it to her kids or whatever, and then you didn't see Jung Sook for a second, I was like, oh, is he going to die? Like, did he get taken down in this rescue mission? But then he shows up out of nowhere, too. You know what would have been absolutely terrible? What? In Train to Busan, we have the moment where the soldiers almost shot the woman and the little girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was limping her ass. She was wounded, right? I am shocked that not a single one of them pulled a trigger and killed her because they thought she was a zombie or that she didn't emerge from the fog, maybe turning. Maybe she was bitten and she didn't realize it. Look, I'm telling you right now, if that fucking walk is coming out of the shadows, I'm shooting it. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm sorry. I, I'll live with it if, it if it was a mistake, but I got to be safe. And we got to respect that. Making sure that I am not limping and that I'm, you know, doing some stretches, some exercises, make sure I'm walking perfectly just in case in times like these. Yeah. But I will say that when you compare it in terms of like, how did you survive a horde of people outside of the car with like basically one round? Sergeant Huang, I think is how you say. It. So when Jung Suk does that cool ass moment of like, let's take advantage of our surroundings here. Let's shoot up the glass. It's all pouring down onto the car. Yeah. A part of me really thought that he was going to make it out of there somehow. And then when we see something similar with Min Jung, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So he technically really could have is what this is giving. Like, and, I, and again, I'll take it. Loved it. Badass. Absolutely. Because I would have just not even bothered. But I don't know. It, you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit in, in that scenario. Because it's like, well, this other guy, with it was two of them in that car. They both probably could have made it. It wasn't the same gun, but like, maybe? I mean, she had an assault rifle and he had a handgun. Right. Yeah. And he had a pistol, right? Right. right. Or whatever. Yeah. 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 So it's different. But you know what, though? Here's the thing. Maybe he did and we just didn't see it because now we have a movie by train. We have a movie by boat. Next, we need a movie by plane. It will be all right. Here we go. Zombies on a plane. Telling you. Yeah. Zombies broken down into all the means of conveyance. Let me tell you, though. You know, we talk about that moment with that sergeant and we talk about the way that this entire panel was shot out and all these zombies pour out. I've got to say that the moon lighting up all those zombies trapped in the glass was a singularly defining moment of how great the visuals in this movie could be. Again, a lot of these didn't hit. A lot of the visuals in this movie were off, but moments like that really showed how much potential this movie had. And you bring up how zombies on a plane would be interesting. And one of my favorite quick moments was the shot of the plane hitting the road when they're explaining what's happened in Busan, you know, after obviously train to Busan. So it was like, I don't know, it was pretty interesting to imagine, like, what if literally a whole ass plane just crashing right into like 
complete chaos and how the chaos has evolved as time has gone. So I thought it was kind of funny that you brought up zombies on a plane and it's like, well, that we kind of got the ending to that film. Got them. And that's the third film. What happened on that plane? And then it's going to be those survivors and then it's going to be Lost. Oh, shit. Oh, man. The next season. The next season of Lost. The Lost season of Lost. So aside from that quick shot, I would say another visually just like creme de la creme moment out of this, honestly, mediocre film was there was a moment there that it said, God has forsaken us. When it's captioned, it literally dead center. God has forsaken us. Yep. I love that. I would... It was one of those moments that it's like, I would have that as a wallpaper or like, that's like a, like a, a Halloween moment or like, you know, just a horror moment. Yep. Visually so, so good, but also was giving video game vibes a little bit. Sometimes, I mean, I've been playing a lot of video games lately and obviously The Last of Us is like my identity. So when I think of some of these zombie films and stuff like that or this kind of movie, I kind of see it from that lens as well. And it was one of those moments where it's like a title card moment a little bit. I thought it was so clean. Yeah, it was giving the nun also, you know? Oh, don't do that. God ends here. Oh, that part, yes. The rest. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I agree. I agree. I, I, so there, there are some subtle things that I really enjoyed visually in this, in this film. Uh, a couple of small ones, just that opening visual of the crisped up zombie in the road, I thought was really well done. It looked so good. I, I thought they did a great job with some of the way that, you know, the zombies looked, right? You're starting to see, you know, a little bit of the, well, that one was the, the fire in the car. So it was all crisped up, but you also see some of the zombies that, you know, they're aging, right? Or decaying rather, right? So you're seeing different stages of of the zombies it's been a few years or so right so it's it's not going to be just a fresh freshly turned zombie some of them are but not all of them so i thought that was really good and you liked you know that god has forsaken us and then there was also i thought really humorous was the billboard they drive by that says a healthy and carefree country super ironic super good how did i not even notice that in the background <laughs> that was so good. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, he had those John Bon Jovi eyes. Yeah, I know. I catch the little details. Uh, yeah. No, after that, I've learned to like look at every corner of everything. And I'm like, what would Sean see? <laughs> what would Sean see? But, but something a little bit deeper, right? Visually, I think some of the colors in the film i thought were really good like the use of colors in some in some ways of the film like not necessarily like to your point chris the night right because that did feel very video gamey and i can see you know you touched on it binks i think way earlier in this episode when you talked about it in train to busan in that scene where they're in the compartments crawling that seemed like a video game cut scene but i feel like a lot of these car scenes felt like a video game cut scene as well more so in this one than train to busan but the colors outside of just the way like night looked and all that whatever and the cgi no but the colors just the use of them the neon lights i thought was visually stunning and wonderful to look at in some of these parts and even even the way there was brief moments where they show you the like lush green plants like the pop of that lush greenery that's growing over the dead and decaying world i thought was really well done it's always interesting in these kinds of movies because it shows you like what you know what we started as, you know what I mean? Or like just what continues to thrive aside from us. And it's like greenery. I mean, we don't see animals as much or at all actually in this film, but like that kind of concept per se, you know, I think is always really interesting about apocalyptic films. Yeah. More persists after humans have died off. Yikes. You know what else looked great though? 
I absolutely loved, and this is honestly one of my favorite scenes. I've talked about several of my favorite scenes, but this one really, really hits. We have his rescue by the sisters, and they're zooming around. And honestly, I've never seen Baby Driver, but I kept thinking Baby Driver the entire time she was zooming around. I don't know if that's an appropriate reference, but... It is. It okay, is. great. Because this was like, it was doing Mario Kart, really. But I absolutely loved the moment where Eugene's is using a controlled light-up car to distract the zombies. And it was just so precious. This child with her toy is saving their lives. And it's just amazing. And so how how wonderful about children, right? That this is the world that she was brought up in and raised in. Like, this is what she knows, and still she finds joy. And the bond that they have together, it's like they still find ways to be kids, even when they're dealing with something as dark and harrowing as this. And it's so wild that these zombies were being corralled like cats with laser pointers. It really just takes the bite out of them. I love the, even just the the back and forth dialogue between the two. And, you know, when she's like, do I have to get involved right before she uses the car? Oh, just, it was great, like subtle comedy, right? Just blended in there, which I thought was great. They had such amazing chemistry. I really loved the two of them together, which is why I almost wanted the mom to survive more. I'm like, these two, they'd be fine on their own, but they deserve happiness. Plus, we've already gotten big sister, little sister in Zombieland. So give us something different. Give us the whole family set. I do have one complaint, though. Speaking of cars, you could never fucking convince me that any of these cars were able to drive with these wasted ass batteries after four years. You could not fucking convince me. And where's the gasoline? Like, come on. Really? Absolutely fucking outrageous. And they're like accelerating. They're hauling ass. And listen, even them who are scavenging the land i get okay maybe you hit up a hardware store they had car batteries maybe you have continued to charge them it's not getting a lot of use over the years car batteries usually last only a couple years whatever i get that but these motherfuckers roll in from the port and they find a car just sitting there that happens to be able to turn on no no that's true i didn't really actually think about that to be honest which is odd but yeah that is true i only think about that because i just had to replace my car battery it was a triggering moment yeah i I will tell you one scene i guess maybe yeah one scene for like one particular reason i think is really really great like there there's a scene where they're driving away with the truck right and they get trapped with those flares that are shooting over them and they give you the shot they give you this one shot of that one zombie that like notices the flare and looks over turns its head and looks over their way and you just get the visual of the reflection of the flare in its one dead eye that they focus on and man what a great shot that was an amazing shot it really reminded me of the george a romero film where we have the zombies who are distracted by fireworks and they're called sky flowers yeah but this looked way cooler in that one eyeball but also like how the fuck did jung sook live after being thrown through the windshield like a hundred yards that's the power of plot armor just shake it off get up and do the thing i guess you're good yeah because hit damage and fall damage and ejection damage really doesn't harm him as badly as the damage of having, you know, really let his own sister and nephew die. The emotional damage what cuts worse. Emotional damage. Look, in terms of a scene that really woke me up, it was what could have been extreme 
physical damage. And it was when the car basically like T-bones them out of nowhere. I full on gasped. That's where I suddenly was like, oh shit, Bianca, look at the screen for real. Like I literally gasped. My jaw dropped a little bit. I was like, oh shit, this is one of those where like, I don't know if you guys remember, it was like early 2000s. There was this commercial that was airing that like it looked seemed all happy go lucky and then they get T-boned. Yeah. That's what that reminded me of. And we see that sometimes in film, like that being the, the shock factor. I don't know why. I just didn't expect it in this film whatsoever. So when it did happen and it was the daughters, I was like, oh, fuck. It was the juxtaposition of her squealing happiness at seeing the boat. They see their way out of here. They're thinking they're going to get into this whole new life. And then you have the oncoming car in the background. And then you're thinking, okay, I mean, I was right about the plot armor, right? And then I was about to be real mad if I was wrong in that moment like say what you will about plot armor don't fucking touch that little girl (laughs) oh man but also when they find the truck with the money in it and they go to the front seat and it's clearly a zombie sitting in the front seat do you really is this guy an idiot do you really think that that fucker is dead what is wrong with you it's a rookie mistake and he deserved to die nobody in my squad is making rookie mistakes like that and if you do peace the fuck out agreed 100 percent. that was that was nonsense that was ridiculous i literally wrote what a literal moron that was ridiculous how do first of all mistake number one to even call attention to the fact that there is one in the car who cares dude we know what they look like they've killed people we love come check out this zombie dude so cool like no let's poke it with a stick it's ridiculous so you know what he deserved to get got he did he did and you know what deserving to get got is exactly why i couldn't become attached to most of the characters in this movie you're preaching to the choir absolutely look one character that stands out is basically the first infected person because those acrobatics were out of hand yeah that was a full he that person is employed by Cirque du Soleil (laughs) without a doubt I'm convinced I'm absolutely convinced if he wasn't he is now you know that's for sure other than that I mean everybody else is like okay I mean we've talked about the key people but also Jung Seok why was he looking like an emo boy when we first get to Hong Kong I was like sir were you in a Taking Back Sunday music video you're looking real familiar now you have an issue with someone looking emo huh Never, never actually. I'm just saying what I noticed. I I don't know. So like, there's a lot of characters you don't care about at all, right? And I think even their use of like, some of the antagonists in of, you know, the way they used in this film, I don't think were as effective as, you know, the antagonist, you know, characters in Train to Busan. But I do think that there is a lot when it comes to some of the characters you do enjoy in this film. Like, you get some complex relationships. I think you get enough characters to not care about or hate or whatever, but you get enough to to like and just enough comedy from some of the characters to make this a fun film to watch, in my opinion. I think at the surface, I can see maybe people saying that Jung Suk's character was not as complex as Suk Woo's character, but I, I beg to differ. Like, I think he did a great job showing you the emotional journey that he went through throughout this film and the difficult decisions that he had to make throughout the film. You know what I mean? So I think there is layers there. I think it, it there there is enough for me to, to feel for some of these characters. So I think what's interesting is he did do a good job showing emotions. He was giving tormented. He was disturbed. He was heartbroken. And I get it. 
My problem is I didn't give a shit about him. And I think I didn't give a shit about him because he's an action hero in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, he has this military background. He's very capable. And I really want to like him. But I think what's exciting for me about zombie movies are how do everyday people survive? So the second you start introducing all of that, I'm just like, eh... Eh, I guess. It's just, it loses how grounded it is. It's more impressive for me to see this family who came from nothing defend their way, train their way, learn how to adapt and survive and adapt with these cars and figure out all these really cool strategies and build their own survival and their fortune. And granted, obviously, can't fault him for having these skills, but I would have much rather have seen this movie be about the people who were left on the peninsula versus those who escaped and had to come back for a heist. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I get it, the action hero, whatever, but I, I just think that there were, like, between what he had to deal with and making the decision to leave behind, you know, Min Jung's family, right? And then having to watch his family die and walk away from that, and then had to watch his brother-in-law die, and then coming full circle and getting saved by the very person that he left behind. And granted, I think to your point, this family brought a lot to carry, you know, what what emotional ties you might have in this film. Like Min Jung's like words when he does come clean and tells her and she's like, oh, you were just one of 31 that drove by. You know what I mean? Like, that's heavy. That's heavy. Yeah. But it also speaks to her as a person for moving past that so quickly. It really does. And you know what? I think the real character work here is me not giving a fuck about him, even though you've outlined a beautiful list of reasons to give a fuck about him. And you, who is the purveyor of fuck them kids, and uh, I, who is the purveyor of I'll feel anything and everything in a movie. And here I am saying, nah, fuck him. He could have he died. Trading places. And you know what? This is why, to me, the best part of this film is Min Jung, is that mom. Because not for anything, but I love how you put it, Chris. It's like to see a mom that at the very beginning is holding her daughter, like crying, helpless, just trying to be saved. You know what I mean? To literally seeing this guy rolling up to him, putting an assault rifle to his face, being like, who the fuck are you? You know what I mean? I run this show. I love it. I eat it up. And for all of the miracles that basically happened for her to stay alive at the very end, I was all about it. She was like running, limping, shooting. I was like, if I, if this was a video game and I was playing her as a character, I would be thriving because she really gave it her all. And although the main character, I agree, Chris, the main character should be the one that I'm like rooting for. It really was the other main character that would have been fantastic to watch. We could have removed this whole plot of them going to the peninsula. Couldn't agree more. I want to see what happened to her after the 31 cars. I want to see how she, you know, basically survived and had to hustle her way to make sure that her daughters were thriving. I just shout out to her. She really did the thing. 100%. I will give you a worst part of this movie, but I'd like to give an honorary shout out to our sergeant who is a gay ally and really wanted to let the captain and the private have a little moment to themselves and not be interrupted. Hey. True that. He's like, oh, you two are a thing? I'll tell everybody to leave you alone. I'm like, look at you, man. One shred of decency you have left. What a guy. But truly, for me, the worst part of this movie is its, it's heist element. As I was watching this movie, I thought... Wow, the look of it is really what's holding it back. 
the CGI, the bad day for night. A lot of this just looks really cheap in comparison to how great the performances are. Like those two things were mismatched. But the more I've simmered on it after watching the movie, after considering this and going through this episode, for me, the worst part of this is this whole heist mechanism that even gets them there. I think I just don't give a shit about Ocean's 15 boat to Busan. Like, I I really don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I don't care about the mechanics that get there. I understand that they're looking for an opportunity to leave, and it's a great way to show that. And, you know, we get a really interesting death for the captain as he thinks he's made his escape. But, man, looking at the potential this movie had, not only visually, but all the material was right there to tell a better story, and they didn't. Yeah, you, you you have a good point. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't the best angle to set up the movie because as soon as, you know, the truck and the money becomes irrelevant, it's just you forget about it and it doesn't even matter. So you're absolutely right. And even what you said, Binks, like I think if they did just focus on the peninsula and just focus on, you know, Min Jung's family and and what they had to go through to survive and and then added with like dialing back some of that shitty CGI and to your point, Chris, the way night looked a little bit darker and how could have they played off of that darkness and really brought a, a sense of fear into this movie, I think it would have been much, much better for sure. And, you know, so all of those are really good points, but because y'all made those points already, I am going to go out and say it. It is the CGI. I think the car scene specifically, as cool as the driving was, the CGI in those scenes just looked, it just looked too video gamey. And based on how good everything else looked, it just stood out too much and became a distraction almost. And as I thought those scenes were kind of fun, I couldn't help but always think about how bad the CGI looked. And so that is just a bad part. It's it arguably one of the worst parts of the film. You know, I was looking up the credits for this film and looking at the post-production team and considering what kind of continuity is there. And we do have some continuity and some carryover. But what blew me away is how many people on this movie had their first and only credit in visual effects. And I'm like, yeah, it shows. It shows. Oh, yeah, that's true. You got to start somewhere. I guess that's true. Yeah, but you should also round it out so that they have a good opportunity, a good project to learn in, like contribute to. It was just like, it was staggering the difference. Yeah, no, I know. I was just trying to be nice. It was really shitty. Let's just call it for what it is. <laughs> just trying to be nice. Yeah. I, and look, here. here's a, one one last thing that I think bothered me. And, and it's, a, it's a really small thing. I don't think it's a, the worst part by any means, but it's a part that didn't feel right for me. It's just, I just don't know how I felt about the mix of English in this film. Oh. It felt strange. And I, I just would rather have subtitles the whole way through. It fucked me up. It fucked me up that we kept switching back and forth. Yeah, I didn't like it. Not from people having to switch into English, but for them being random Americans. Yeah. And I'm like, get the fuck out. You don't belong here. No, go. Yeah, also no point. And and they were all assholes. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so that's something that in, well, I can only think of like Korean drama specifically right now. So when I watch some of these Korean dramas, they'll have like, random Americans there. And I'm so sorry to these people. But of course, it's going to be really terrible actors, like really bad. And then the dialogue is even worse because they don't know how to write, you know, like write them well. And why should they like, they don't have to, you know, so it was just so 
bad. It's funny, I brought the plane, like when they're explaining what happens after Busan and the plane scene or whatever, but like that even, even that scene, the dialogue between the reporter and the, and the guy explaining what's happened. Oh yeah. Oh man. I was like, yep, this looks like all the other shows that I watch when they have Americans on the screen and I don't, I don't blame them. I forgot about that part. It was bad. Yeah. You should probably forget. And you know, that's actually one of the many reasons why I think I won't be rewatching this film. If I did, I would really want to make just a cut of the moments I liked with the family themselves and just get rid of the rest of it. You know, give me a, a super cut where I take a lot of the tr- bits of Train to Busan. I take a little bit of Hashtag Alive. I mix this in a little bit. I think we can make a really good long ass zombie movie with all the right stuff. But I don't think I want to watch this again It's in, in its entirety. Yeah, I think we really need to start seeing some of the Chris's cuts, you know, that we're talking about here that we're hearing about. Because why don't you why don't we figure out how to make these cuts and get them get them onto YouTube? Yeah, because it's copyright infringement, first off. Second, <laughs> second, I just need to acquire the footage and then I can make it. Absolutely. Just call it like a fun mashup. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, listen, I can I can maybe see myself watching this one back to back with Train to Busan just just because they're linked in some way. But other than that, yeah, I don't I don't really see myself watching this one again. And that even even watching them back to back is a little bit of a stretch because I would just rather watch Train to Busan and be done with it. But I, I still think this one was fun. I, I don't know. It's a tough one. I, it is a fun movie. There's a lot of flaws. Don't get me wrong. I still was entertained. Still had a good time. I don't know if I want to revisit it on a standalone even though it is a fucking standalone i i do think if i were to watch it it would be back to back i suppose no you see for me it's like why would i want to go through such disappointment again so i rather just not you know and it and it's not to say that i didn't enjoy some of it but i feel like it's a one and done i saw the movie gave it a shot but it's not really my thing i think i rather leave a five star train to busan moment for myself smile and let that be that I can agree with that, Binks, and I think we can also leave this alone right where it is, because there you have it, folks. Peninsula from 2020 was not the perfection we craved it to be, but it did manage to earn two slashes and one hack. Now, we certainly had a robust discussion here, but it doesn't end here by any means. We want to know what you think. We've seen zombies on a train, on a ship. Where would you want to see them next? Let us know. You can join in on the conversation by hanging out with us for free in our Discord. Click the link in our show notes to sign up. If you've enjoyed this journey into a zombie apocalypse, consider joining our new blood drive and becoming a member of the family. Visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to enjoy more of the show with early access, extended episodes, bonus content, and live shows. And if you join our premium tier between September 1st and October 31st, you'll also get one of our 2023 anniversary posters, and they are fucking cool. Hell yeah. We'll see you next time, folks. And remember, we were together all along. How would this be hell? Hey, you did all you can. That's what matters. You know, it was around this time last year, and by this time I mean eh, the spooky season in general, when Vero made her debut for our Return of the Living Dead episode, and it was then that we discussed our zombie survival plans. So I suppose I'm just curious, after watching these movies and seeing all of the options available to you, do you think you would try to eject out of this situation, do another land, or do you think you would hunker down in place? It's such a tough question, 
You know what I mean? You, I feel like you almost have to be in it to feel or gauge like what scenario you're in or where you're at and, and all of that. Because like, what if you don't have a really good exit? You know what I mean? It's tough. Yeah. And then it's like, what if you're not with the right people to make it to said exit or might, you know, hold you back? So I don't really know. I feel like I would just hunker down, just kind of like take my chances and just really channel whatever introvertedness I probably have inside. See, that was my default answer. And then I thought, well, maybe it'd be wise to GTFO, bro. But then this movie poses an interesting dilemma. And it's really a lot of what we even saw during the pandemic, which was the prejudice that you'd experience being from a place where this outbreak started. Like, let's say it's contained to where you're from and then you managed to escape. You'd have that residual prejudice and fear of you. I don't know if I want to deal with that. Would you rather take the zombies or people being dicks? I don't know. That's true. I know. See, this is why I still try to stick to, you know, my master plan, and that's to just get out into the wilderness and live off the land. I see. That's like almost cheating the question, though, because you're, yeah, because technically your answer is to not bunker down and it's to go somewhere else. But then the plot twist is the somewhere else is where no one else is there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm still exiting and then bunkering down, but in a safe place. In a different place. You know, where I can, you know, I can build my fortress, you know, set some traps, you know, and maybe, maybe I'll have some people with me. Maybe some people will wander in and maybe they'll be good people and maybe, you know, I'll have to kill them. I don't know. You know what you sound like right now? Jason Voorhees in the 2009 remake of Friday the 13th. <laughs> really? He's just a man living off the land, setting some traps. Maybe some people wander in. Maybe they don't. Maybe you got to kill them. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. I would love that we have, uh... We have some folks in the chat who are nesters and would be cozy, just hunkering down. I mean, I just feel like you can pick up on a couple hobbies for sure. I've got a lot of books I need to catch up on, you know, and I do love rewatching things and I've got DVDs. So as long as there's a little bit of power, we don't, I don't even need internet. As long as you have power, you're okay. Yeah. You can build a little, uh, you know, what do you call those little water mills, generate your own power, you know, come on. You're convincing me. I'm telling you. All right, I'm sold. The answer is both. Okay. A question for you then. If you're hunkering down and you look around your room right now, only within your room, what could you use as a zombie apocalypse weapon? Ooh, I mean, I feel like I've got a number of items here. Oh, I don't. I definitely don't. I can't throw my Funko Pops. Um, <laughs> I can probably, I, I don't, I've got like this vine contraption thing, but I mean, it's cheap plastic from Shein, so I highly doubt. I don't want to throw my guitar. That would be kind of sad. Yeah, but, you know, oh. sometimes it's for the best. I have an easel here, and I can just maybe, like, break it. Oh, that'd be so sad. My grandfather got me this. Ugh. But you know what? I think he'd approve. Um, I'm just going to break it. I'm going to use it as a steak. I can sharpen it in case vampires become a thing as well. I'm also set. Nice. <laughs> Any At this point, anything's possible. You could probably also sharpen or break the shelf that you have. That's like the filament wood or the plywood uh-huh just sharpen that without having to compromise the easel or both i mean i also have this wooden paddle thing i don't know i actually have a lot more equipment than i realize hmm. you just got to get creative with what you got i have like an unused curtain rod lying around in the corner over there that feels like a really good distance weapon you know <laughs> just launch that shit yeah that feels good i have a pocket knife but you know that's a really that's a last minute 
close contact kind of situation. Yeah. That's close range, but it's also an actual weapon. So it is. So funny enough, if I reach down to the bottom tier of my three tier cart, I actually have a set of throwing knives. Oh, shit. That works out well. That does. Who the hell are you two? (laughs) I have several knives, and then I have a set of throwing knives. I also have a hatchet underneath my bed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm realizing. And here I am talking about Funko Pops and my little guitar, and both of you have fucking knives. Chris has got a full-on armory. A whole fucking hatchet. Listen, when you live where I live, maybe you want to be prepared. I don't know. I don't even live that far from you. You don't. You should probably wise up. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I also have, it's not in my room right now, but typically in my room, I store my uh, Sawzall, which is like the reciprocating saw. So, you know, I have that option. Just stores right under my bed. That's also a close contact weapon, though. Yeah. Wait. On actually, and I'm a little full of shit because I, I realize now I have all my art equipment and I definitely have a little handsaw that I use when I would sculpt stuff. Okay, Art the Clown. And I have all my chisels and things. So, but that is definitely close range. You're about to hot dog slice a zombie, bro. What a dream. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I also have, if we're thinking of non-traditional weapons, I have a great many tripod situation. So I could definitely like poke something. You know, so distance, distance is an option. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of metal shrapnel. Binks, for sure, the mic arm that you have is the same one that I have, the Elgato low low profile arm, and that is hefty. Yeah, but that would require me to also be able to hold it and swing it. Yeah, you can swing that shit, just let it fly. Okay, maybe with momentum. Fair enough. Um, I don't know. I guess I got a Ikea lamp that I could take a couple of things out of. Candles? I don't know. Those things are heavy. Probably take somebody out a little bit. At least buy me some time. Throw some of those. Maybe hit someone over the head. Right. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So Rob says, zombies or not, I expect a weekly episode of Hacker Slash. And listen, Rob, we didn't miss a single week during the pandemic. So I think we can pull it off. Yeah, for sure. I'm telling you. We get that get that water mill power going in the compound, and we're set. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. RSS feeds. We don't need the real internet. You know, we just got to... Upload a file and then give you a series of letters to type into your browser. And then once you get some good cell phone service, figure it out. Yeah. At this point, though, we're going to have to only we're going to only be able to review movies that we have on DVD. Yeah. So you're going to be our supplier. Sean will be our supplier. I don't think you want my supply. (laughs) Oh, actually, I can be the supplier. I do have several horror DVDs. But then also my brother has his entire horror VHS collection, and we have a functioning TV and and a uh, VCR player. That is awesome. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, my like my DVD. I mean, we know this. I've got a little bit of of everything, but all movies that I think like some of them you guys have hacked. So I, don't think I really, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's a good idea. Yeah, jokes on us. It's going to be us rewinding Repo the Genetic Opera fifty times. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Until eventually, you guys are like, "Fuck it, it's a slash." I'll let the zombies eat me. I could do with the whole zombie apocalypse. I do wonder if I could handle the meta of playing one of my favorite board games, which is Zombicide. Have either of you played this? No. Oh, no, I don't think so. Okay, so it's a tabletop game, and you get these miniatures that are different types of zombies. So there are, depending on the expansion pack you get, there are toxic zombies where they, like, bust, and it's like a whole fucking radius of infection. There are the regular walker zombies. Then they have running zombies, 
which are fast and you obviously take turns trying to get to a map and the map can change like one of my original co-hosts dan he actually coded a way to randomly generate a map with all the expansion packs and create custom objectives so that you have to traverse a city and get into buildings and retrieve certain supplies all while not being infected or killed by zombies the game is so fun that sounds pretty fun actually yeah yeah there's also like a medieval era one i think called the black plague so fucking good nice yeah it does make you wonder though what kind of zombies you could manage to contend with or deal with like i can deal with a, a walking zombie but i would never survive a running zombie we already know the answer to this one i'm out I don't even know why we're even entertaining the fact that I would go anywhere because I'm probably going to not make it very early on. Oh, but listen, listen, people are are out here in these films surviving the running zombies. You know, it's possible. Don't give up hope. Those people aren't me. I can't even run now. Oh, it doesn't mean you have to run. You just have to be smarter than the zombie. Mm. Yeah. And I think that that's where... That's where I'll be able to last. But if it involves any cardio, I mean, unless I've got salt on hand, I don't know. It's not, it may, it may not work for me. Maybe I stand a chance if I can go through the zombie apocalypse with a pair of Heelys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't even know how to skate. So I'd be screwed even with the Heelys. I, I really wanted to be that girl when I was younger, but I was too scared. <laughs> Bringing back the Heelys. That's wild. We'll have a little Barbie moment, get on some rollerblades. Oh, gosh. Maybe I need to start learning, just in case. Yes. I'm sure that Gen Z will bring back Heelys, if they haven't already. They're still available for sale. And there you go. That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. What? No, I'm just thinking about Balto. We need a whole like little husky Balto situation. <laughs> Wait, what? We can survive the running zombies if we all get on sleds and let the dogs pull us. Oh. Sean's husky is going to save us all. I have a husky, too. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Oh, my God. Wait, great. So both of them together. Yeah. Yeah, we got the start of a pack here. And then I'll just hold on to Cullen because Cullen is just not. Yeah, fantastic. It is interesting to think of like the evolution of the zombie you know what I mean? Like thinking back to where it all began, right? Like obviously, you know, Night of the Living Dead is is famous for popularizing, you know, the zombie genre or whatever. But really, I don't know if it goes further back, but the earliest zombie film I can remember is White Zombie. Oh, yeah. Right? And, and that one feels the closest to like the, the actual lore behind, you know, where this zombie you know, uh, I don't know, idea or concept came from, right? From like Hades and like the whole thing of like, whatever it is, like a potion or some kind of, you know, um, spellbound, you know, bringing someone back from the dead, but really just making them almost like a slave. You know what I mean? Just no free will, right? And that's really what White Zombie kind of played off of, or at least a little heavier into that aspect. But then just to see the evolution of like what, you know, Night of the Living Dead did and then going further and how we've seen them progress from like slow zombies, you know, just eating brains and being, you know, super creepy and decaying, right? Rising from the grave. So they're already decaying into like this kind of virus that's spreading. And now you see different forms of like slow, fast, smart, you know, zombies, which I think is super interesting to see all these different concepts. Yeah. I feel like now I want to watch White Zombie before we go to the meetup and go through The Last of Us house. I would love it. Just to really get the bookends on zombies, you know? Yes. You have to watch it. Oh, I haven't seen it since like 2015, 
ish. I think it was the last time I watched it, and I don't remember much of it. It's one of those like film studies situations. It's a classic. You bring that up, Sean, and I'm thinking of like, but just in general, how we brought up or we reviewed Warm Bodies earlier, and it's like to the point where zombie movies can also be cute little romance ones too. Like everything has just kind of like yeah, the zombie film world has definitely branched off in some very interesting paths that you wouldn't have expected it's got range it's got range for sure without a doubt but i will tell you i'm i am going to be obnoxious at the last of us house i can't wait to see it or just in general because it's also stranger things so i'm really just going to be obnoxious all around that's okay live your life enjoy yourself i was absolutely obnoxious last year with the halloween house and i was just like giddy as hell I mean, it, it's just, they do so good with like the visuals of those. So it's hard not to be excited to be in there and be kind of like immersed in this atmosphere, this universe, right? They do so good with it. I can't wait. I might cry. No big deal. No surprise. I'll bring tissue. Well, well, I mean, it's fine. Maybe I'll be crying because I'm scared. Maybe I'll be crying because I'm, you know, so excited. Maybe a little bit of both if they do it right. Just don't pass out. Mad Max Zombie Road. So crazy. Man, we had a lot of deer kangaroo action. Fuck. It really was. It's just, you come so far. (laughs) No, I'm not going to make a song reference. (laughs) I know know where you're going. (laughs) Do it. Do it. I don't, I also don't 100% know the lyric. Is it, I've gone so far. Wait, I've, I've fought so hard and come so far. I don't know. Are you doing Linkin Park? Yeah, he's Linkin Park. Yeah, and in the end, it doesn't even matter. Any fucking way. Whatever. I can agree with that. And I think we can all leave this to be that. Nope. I lost it.